0: Welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. And welcome to the post week eight mini pod. We will have a full, usual three announce and review of the weekend tomorrow, but with the trade deadline later today and a couple of mega moves already happening, Gridiron editor Matt Sherry joins me for a quick early morning Tuesday reaction. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello, welcome to The Gridiron Show, in association with Touchdown Trips getting you in the game. Slightly usurping Ollie Hunter from the process today. He's not aware that we're doing this, but because Matt heads off on our Touchdown Trips tour very, very soon, the Gridiron Deep South tour, uh, he could only record this morning. We were going to get on the line, record his three and outs, edit it into the podcast... But man, there's been such big news overnight. We've got the Zeke Elliott to talk about. We've got the big trade in Seattle to talk about. And of course, Jimmy G is now a San Francisco 49er. So all that to get to. And as you can hear, the breathing's already begun. Matt Sherry, how are yeah, you, sir?
1: I'm very good, thanks. How are you?
0: Yeah, very well, mate. Thank you the, very the well, is, indeed. Is more
1: outrageous than ever because I'm so pumped. <laughs> hey, why, why are you so pumped, sir? I'm pumped because I think the Patriots are going to be very, very active today and maybe tomorrow they haven't been and I'm in a very different mood. But my overall reaction is why aren't more teams in the NFL like New England and Seattle, the two elite teams of the last six, seven years, but also the two most aggressive, like teams who will look at their roster, honestly analyse it and then work to make it better in every conceivable way. And if it was we'd have a lot more fun days like this.
0: Yeah, so, uh, I mean, let, let's start off, uh, there's, there's bits of news we want to talk about. We need to briefly mention Monday Night Football because the Kansas City Chiefs had a big bounce back and Trevor Simeon now looks like Denver are a place who are going to need a quarterback as well. Uh, we've got uh, we've got <laughs> so much for us to get to. We're going to talk the Jimmy G, G trade, we're going to talk Dwayne Brown ended up on the Seattle Seahawks and Jeremy Lane going in the other direction, and we'll talk Zeke Elliott as well. But I think we have to start with Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and let me just give you my initial reaction because a a lot of a lot of talk has already been this morning about you know exactly how people are, are treating this trade and we want to get the Patriots side as a 49ers fan my kind of initial thought this morning was what's wrong with him immediately seeing the Patriots after we heard he was worth a high first round pick last year and everything else I was kind of like this doesn't feel like the kind of move that the patriots make lightly why are we getting him now for a second rounder and i kind of i I just had that initial kind of distrust of the patriots almost but the more and more i've thought about it the more and more i've looked at jimmy g as a player and the more and more I've, i've kind of looked at the trade itself from a patriots perspective Adam Schefter's reporting that they've been trying to do a contract deal with Jimmy Garoppolo since early spring. It's basically since just after the Super Bowl and not been able to get anything figured out. And yet this deal with the 49 has happened in a single day. For the Patriots, it's not a second round pick. It's the 33rd, 34th, maybe at a real push, 35th overall pick. It's almost at de facto bottom of the first round pick it's so high. And suddenly you give Bill Belichick two picks in the top 34, plus another second rounder as well that they've got there, to either play with on the trade market or to use in next year's draft. And of course, Matt Sherry, what I did this morning after, I came in and did the papers on breakfast, and then I settled down and I watched... Basically every Patriots offensive snap from the first two games of last season. Uh, (laughs) I saw uh, a lot that I I was initially... The first, the Arizona Cardinals game, there were a few throws where he showed a bit of a big wind-up. He stared a guy down and looked maybe a little nervous on the first couple of drives. And I was like, okay, I'm going to let this settle in. I'm going to take my time. But actually... His pocket movement, the way he stepped up in the pocket, his awareness, the way he kept his eyes downfield, he made some great tight window throws in those two games. There was enough there to make me think, with Kyle Shanahan, with the right other pieces coming in, this is a good move from a 49ers perspective. I think the big question mark is people saying, well, why are the Patriots getting rid of a guy they were so high on who could be the the future franchise quarterback?
1: And the answer to that is Tom Brady looks better than ever at 40, and... And, and that's what's changed between now and the draft. I mean, maybe they could have got a, a higher pick in the in the draft. I mean, the highest pick they were probably going to get from Cleveland was twelve, and there isn't a monumental difference between twelve and thirty because team, players in the teens are viewed differently to team to team at onwards. So I don't think that's a huge difference. But I think what they wanted to do, they were in unch- uncharted territory with Brady this year. He was the fortieth. That 40 mark was going to be passed. It made sense to have another look. And ultimately, as you've alluded to, and this is why I'd be excited if I was a 49ers fan, they're in the building with Jimmy Garoppolo every single day. And they were willing probably to spend about 35 to £40 million a year on quarterbacks in order for him to be Brady's successor. There's there's
0: already been some talk and consternation, just to say, on Twitter. And we've been obviously asking for people's reaction. We'll get to some of those shortly. But a lot of people saying, I mean, Russ Goldman pointed out what they did with uh, Matt Castle, and and a lot of people going down the same sort of route. Why not let it get to the off-season? Why not let it get to the off-season, franchise him and then trade him for a higher pick in theory than they're getting now or see how it plays out and keep it? You know, essentially saying, if you're going to do this, why not do it last summer? So
1: so there's there's a clear answer to that that I think will reveal itself in the next 24 hours. I'm just going to say if if you're going to go down this route with Brady now, so you've you've basically scrapped the succession plan at this point. Yeah. So you need to find another quarterback down the line. So you're looking at Brady now and thinking we're going to get one, two, three more years out of him. If you're going to go down that route, you need to make sure that those one, two, three years uh, Super Bowl contention years. And I think Bill Belichick looks at this roster now and thinks. There are some holes that they haven't had in previous years. We need to fill those now. We've got one or two, three seasons left with Brady. Let's make the most of them. And I think he fills those holes today. And I wouldn't be surprised if they trade Malcolm Butler today as well because with the way Johnson Badamosi's played, they're a lot more stacked at cornerback than it looked three weeks ago. They've got Eric Rowe and Gilmore will come back. So they're your two starting corners. Jonathan Jones has been fine in the slot. So I wouldn't be surprised if they got rid of Butler as well. And I also, also, just a wild one to throw out there, wouldn't be hugely surprised if they got rid of one of the running backs. And I wouldn't be totally shocked if one of them was James White, having wow. just signed an extension and being the Super Bowl guy. That's no knowledge. That's just a guess. Because that running, when you're looking at a roster, you're looking at the areas where you're strong and you can afford to lose players. This trade is perfect because the Garoppolo one, because you're not subtracting anything really from your your starting team. He's probably not going to see the field. But if you look at the Patriots roster, running back and to an extent cornerback, and particularly with the Butler situation as it's been, are two other areas I could see them losing players. But ultimately, there are three big needs on the team for me. Edge rusher, linebacker, especially now Hightower's down. And actually red zone target and whether that's tight end or big receiver they could do with somebody else there and if they can get Anquan Bolden's rights and there's been talk that he'd be interested in coming out of retirement for the Patriots, he would fit that but I think there's a lot on the table but I think ultimately Belichick's looked at this roster and thought I don't feel wholly comfortable with it for the rest of the season can I add to it and and, and I think these moves are the process of starting to add to it I mean they should be they should make the Patriots' by week mandatory at this point every year because it's perfect, because the, 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 they are the team who will make these moves, especially if you give them the extra time and the bye week.
0: And look, for those who are questioning why now rather than the end of the season, beyond just the restocking their roster today, and we really think that they will do a lot, and that's why we're kind of doing this podcast early Tuesday morning and getting it out there, and then we'll do another show tomorrow reacting to probably the other eight moves that the Patriots make and the other three moves the rest of the league make. But, you look at—they didn't get something done last off season, and they decided to keep hold of him. This upcoming off season, yes, you'd potentially have to franchise him. If he didn't go for free, you then you then end up maybe getting a pick for him. But we're talking about a year with the the strongest quarterback class, top to bottom, that we've seen in years, with top end talent as well that could go first and second overall. And then you're seeing Cousins, Bradford, and Breeze, all potential free agents. I think Kirk Cousins now is. I think I, I'm increasingly feeling like Kirk Cousins stays in Washington at this point. I saw a brilliant comparison online. It's like when your kidnapper gives you your birthday cake. Uh, <laughs> it, it, he he is going to be... I need to find out who tweeted that because it was very funny. He, um, like, from a Kirk Cousins perspective, there were two obvious landing points at the start of this off-season just gone. LA and San Francisco, Carl Shanahan, Sean McVay, because... We saw it from Kirk Cousins this past weekend and the protection is a real shame that Washington's O-line has suffered so many injuries over the last couple of weeks because... It's starting to be concerned that they're not going to be a contender after they look so good through the first six or seven. But Kirk Cousins is a guy who works in their scheme, who has the intelligence to run their scheme without having the raw ability of some quarterbacks out there. So he would have been perfect in those locations. Now, of course, there are places that still need a quarterback. We saw Trevor Simeon have a shocker last night against Kansas City, turning over the ball four times. He would fit in
1: Denver, Cousins, I think.
0: I think he would fit in Denver. I also think he'd fit in Jacksonville. Uh, as a potential one strong run game uh, and, and obviously a strong defense. Uh, there are, there are locations for him to land, but overall, I think now without the McVeigh Shanahan factor on the table, he's probably best suited to just staying in Washington. Um, so go the, on.
1: There's a couple more things on, on Garoppolo. Oh in yeah, terms, yeah, absolutely. The, the, the timing as well. So first of all, a lot of people have asked about the Browns. Now, I think the Patriots do consider the element of not trading him in the AFC. And people might think that's ludicrous because they're the Browns. But in reality, a quarterback can make a huge difference. I mean, he might make a huge difference for the Niners at the end of this season. Like, it can turn around quickly if you have the right guy under centre. They think he's a franchise quarterback. I think everything they've done tells you that. So I think they would rather not trade him in the AFC. Uh, second point on why the why now and not with the franchise tag. The way you acquire elite talent at this time of the year is by picking up players who are in the last year of their contract. Now, if you're going to give up a second or third round pick for them, or maybe even a package of picks and a player, then you need to be to know that you can re-sign them in the off-season. The only way you can guarantee re-signing them in the off-season is with the franchise tag. Now. If you don't trade Garoppolo, you have to franchise tag Garoppolo. So this also frees up the franchise tag for them, which I think is another huge element as to why the decision's being made now yeah and and,
0: uh, it's interesting it's going to be interesting from a contract perspective because somebody uh, I I saw somebody on Twitter saying that well this is great for the 49ers because they're getting somebody cheap instead of Kirk Cousins for 25 million in the offseason but Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be getting a big contract and actually from a 49ers perspective they get him in he is a player with only a game and a half of proper starting tape um, and that does mean that there is potential for regression there's potential for all of those kind of negative factors to happen and I understand that That behind that O-line without uh, Joe Staley, who went down with that horrible injury this weekend, there's a chance that he's going to have a bit of a rough next eight games. I I totally get all of that. But I believe that having been in the building with Belichick, with Brady, with how high the Patriots were on him, if this was timed better, if Garoppolo was only in year two right now and they were um, as high on him as they are, and they had a couple of more years of him cheap and Brady got to 42-43, which we believe he can play to then maybe the timing works out better and he becomes the franchise course back of the Patriots. It's just all fallen, as we've been saying for like a year or so now, since he had those games early last year, we've been saying, really unfortunately for the Patriots, this timing's
1: really bad. No, it, it's often... Th- to be honest, this move at this time is perfect for all parties, and it's particularly perfect for Garoppolo because he has now learned under Brady for however many years, and he goes to Kyle Shanahan, who is a guy who can can basically scheme up anything for a quarterback in terms of making the life a lot simpler. He's a veteran now, he's been in a system for years. It, it it makes sense for everybody. I mean for for when you look at the overall package of getting him in the NFC, Kyle Shanahan has apparently loved Jimmy Garoppolo since before that draft when he was when he was taken twenty eleven or twenty twelve. And it just works for everybody. The Niners the Niners now, as well, are in a great spot. I mean, they've got Garoppolo, so they've they've got their quarterback of the future, and they're going to have the first, second, or third pick. They can either get Saquon Barkley, they can trade it away uh, and get I, more I can't, picks. I it's, can't
0: even start to think about the idea of Jimmy Garoppolo and Saquon Barkley as our backfield. It, it I I can't handle that match, Sherry. It's too much. It's,
1: can... it's that that is exciting. I mean, that's exciting even for me as a non Forty Niners fan. <laughs> like that would be awesome. So it just works for everybody. And and as I say, I mean, I'll have a slightly different opinion if the Patriots don't make some of the moves today that I would expect them to make because then I really don't get why you wouldn't just wait till the off-season because it's opening themselves up to undue risk. But the other element is that Brian Hoyer is obviously going to sign for the Patriots now. And, I, don't everybody... even,
0: I, I don't understand why he wasn't just included in the trade.
1: It would have well, made... he wasn't because now they can pay him a veteran minimum, <laughs> minimum salary. Yeah, I'm so, pretty yeah. sure it was agreed that he, he'll sign for them. I mean, I'd be stunned if it wasn't. Now, everybody might laugh at that, but ultimately, in this spot to pull this kind of trade off, you kind of need a backup who immediately knows your system, which Brian Hoyer does haven't been a backup there for several years in the past. So I think that's an important element as well of the deal and it just does work I mean everything just fits together quite nicely
0: Right, let's, uh, let's just get a few reactions from Twitter To This I kind of tweeted out first thing this morning, uh, saying, like, I, I genuinely was stunned when I woke up this morning uh, to see the news coming in. And uh, uh, let's get a few reactions. Lewis Wiltshire, who's the head of sports at Twitter, said, lots to take in, releasing Hoyer 2. New regime has looked at and given up on Hoyer and Barkley. Where does this lead C.J. Bathard? I mean, C.J. Bathard is a, not a starting quarterback. He wants to know about Cousins as well. We've kind of talked about that a little bit. Never a dull moment when you're a 49. Niners fan Tom Knight asked happy with the move and I just like I don't I couldn't at that point this morning at like 6am I just couldn't gather my (laughs) thoughts on it I was like I don't I just don't know I spent the entire uh, taxi journey into the papers this morning just being like I don't uh, what how what uh Uh, I just couldn't process it this morning at all but I kind of I'm excited now Uh, Tom Astle says stunned definitely but without Joe at left tackle I wouldn't rush to put him in for this weekend exciting times even if we are 0-8 Simon Coates similar thing I don't think we I hope we don't get him killed behind our row line we need to see him play and then re-sign him in the off season love this move says London 49er 49ers in a good position Dave Harrison high draft pick but they also have their franchise QB this plus brown trade plus brown trade makes nfc west Brown. uh a lot harder for my cards right okay um couldn't believe it when i woke up exciting though just worried the pats backup uh, turned you other pats backups have turned useless the moment they left foxborough that's coming in from danny and there are loads loads more of these i did want to quickly highlight uh, one very to you um uh matt sherry because Russ Goldman who's a guy we've spoken to on this podcast before does a very good Patriots podcast of his own he is angry about this he said I'm hoping the Patriots make another move before the trade deadline closes but to trade Garoppolo is a huge mistake I made out getting the 33rd 34th pick as a, as a good scenario for them at this point and he brought up the franchise problem but he then has gone on this tirade of tweets about how with Shanahan will the 49ers be back in the Super Bowl within three or four years it kills the Patriots for years to Come um, if Brady goes down injured, like absolutely lost it. I just think that you made the point that this is about Super Bowls. This isn't the Patriots aren't a team who are there to say, well, we want to get to the playoffs, we want to get to the AFC divisional game, the, the championship game. That's not their aim. They have one aim every year. And I know every team has that aim every year. But them more than but, anybody. But them because... more than anybody else. And so they can't be thinking, well, what if Tom Brady gets injured? Because and, and, and that doesn't that if, doesn't compute. That then the, that's our Super Bowl's probably done. Regardless. If Jimmy
1: Garoppolo wasn't going to sign a contract, what were you going to do? What what could you possibly have done? I mean, you can't force him to sign a contract. And, and and ultimately, I think if they'd seen any regression from Brady in the first eight games, they wouldn't have done it. But if anything, he's been better in the first eight games of this season than ever before. Like it he is the best quarterback in the NFL still. So it's all well and good saying, oh, well, maybe Brady can go elsewhere for the in the last couple of years of his career. But it's not like he is just a top seven, eight quarterback anymore. He is still the best quarterback in the NFL. And really it is still not hugely that close, particularly with, with Rogers out now. I mean, he, he's the best. So at what point would you have said, oh, well, we're going to move, move on from you, Tom? I mean, there's no evidence that he's declining. I don't think anybody at this stage would doubt that he might play for at least another two, three seasons. Like, so th- there's never going to be a good time to make the switch anyway. So you had to get rid of him at some point. So it- it's a d- uh, they've been put in a tough position. I mean, I I don't think they've loved the the position that they've been put in. Trust me. If they could draft Jimmy Garoppolo right now this year, they would do it in a heartbeat, and I'm sure they'd be over the moon with having a succession plan, but that's what they tried to do three or four, or four years ago. So, it just had to happen at some point and and when you're halfway through a season at 6-2 and two and still very much in play for the first seed in the AFC and you can improve your team right now, then go ahead and do it.
0: Right, let's talk about a couple of other things that happened overnight, Matt Sherry, uh, because 20 minutes of uh, Patriots chat is enough for anyone. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Even with some diners thrown in.
0: Yeah, exactly. Dwayne Brown on the move to a team that's been desperate for a left tackle. And we talk about trades that work out for both teams. This one feels good to me as well. The veteran tackle traded to the Seahawks for cornerback Jeremy Lane, a second round pick in 2019 and a fifth round pick in the upcoming draft. Now, Dwayne Brown initially had the whole out this year did play this weekend against the seahawks in that ridiculous 41 38 game in seattle which in itself we could probably do 15 20 minutes of breakdown on that game alone because it was so good but the seahawks get better on their offensive line one of their weakest points and Yes, I still look at it and think I'm concerned that, you know, Jermaine Effedi's not getting the level of play that we need out of him. Yet yeah, Ethan Postage has looked good in his rookie season, but I, I, one player does not make an O line, but this is a huge improvement for them. Jeremy Lane is an upgrade to the Texans' secondary. The Texans survived without Dwayne Brown pretty well with Deshaun Watson for six or seven weeks anyway. And I, I just kind of look at it that the Texans are building for the future and looking at getting younger. The Seahawks have got a Super Bowl win still that they're trying to exploit for me this again kind of works all round
1: the the key point in everything you've just said is the Texans did look good without him with Watson now if it was if it was after week one when they were absolutely horrific against the Jaguars and had a static Tom Savage at quarterback still then I don't think they make this move but the Texans are almost like the Seahawks five years ago which is they've got a quarterback to compensate for a bad O-line They've got a secondary that is losing them games at the moment. And it's another move that just makes perfect sense. The only concern I'd have for the Seahawks is I'm not sure their defence could really afford to lose a cornerback. But ultimately, they're going to win this season based on Russell Wilson. I think we saw that on Sunday. Russell Wilson is becoming that MVP-caliber quarterback and is very much in the top three of the MVP race now after what happened on Sunday so i think they look at it and think well let's protect wilson he's the guy now and it's just the transition of that team it's the transition from the defensive team to the offensive team i and do
0: i i am concerned that it's a get that uh, russell wilson contributed 482 yards on sunday against the texans the team as a total only had four hundred and seventy-nine yards. That should give you some idea of how bad the running game was on Sunday.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's a concern. And also, they're not going to be able to sustain that on offense. But you would think that the defense plays better than they do on Sunday. I mean, I don't think anybody believes the Seahawks' defense is going to get torched for four hundred yards off every quarterback they face. I mean, it'll probably never happen again. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it was the it was the move that just made a little bit too much sense, didn't it? I mean. The only thing that would have been interesting to me is whether Houston could have maybe executed the same trade without the draft pick for Richard Sherman. I mean, would that have been off the table? But probably. I mean, who knows? But given the discontent they've had there and the fact that Richard Sherman spoke way more glowingly about Deshaun Watson than he ever has Russell Wilson after the game on Sunday was was interesting. But it was. It was funny,
0: it, that game, because uh Deshaun Watson absolutely torched Richard Sherman in the first half Sherman got a pick back in the second he actually got two in the end although the last one came on that Hail Mary final play to try and win the game and I almost always think that regardless of who the player is those should probably be negated in some way because they're so ridiculous but it was a real backwards and forwards battle between those two and kind of showed the, the Deshaun Watson when you think about the three games where he's faced the most ridiculous defenses in the last two years are the two against Alabama and the Seahawks and he's torched them all for 400 yards and four touchdowns he's mental it's just ridiculous he,
1: he and he's getting better every week as well that's the scary part i mean he's getting more comfortable every week so and that's and that's why the move makes sense because i think houston at this point can afford to have a slightly below average to bad all line but they need to they need to sort out their defense. And and I saw somebody tweet, do they not think they can win the division? I think this move is because they think they can win the division, improve the secondary. Your offense is so good that it can afford to regress a, a little bit compared to Sunday, and you you find a middle ground there of a of a team that could. That, that I still think if they make the playoffs and their schedule as, I think we mentioned well in the in the WhatsApp group the other day, the schedule set up for them to win four mm-hmm. of their next five games at a minimum. So. I think if Houston get on a roll, they're a Super Bowl contender, not just a, a contender for getting into the playoffs. I think they're a really dangerous team. And I think, I think would I be surprised if these two teams played each other in the Super Bowl right now? Uh, I, I wouldn't at all.
0: Oh, wow. There you go. Uh, so that's uh, that, that trade. We actually, we 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 said we we're going to talk about the three big stories plus a bit of Monday Night Football. Just a quick mention, because it happened after we recorded our end-of-week show last week and to a bi-week team. Marcel Darius going to the Jacksonville Jaguars for a sixth round conditional pick, which now means that their defensive line, and he did his first press conference yesterday as they returned from, uh, as, as they returned from uh, their bye week and said that it was nice to be wanted. That line, which now has Yannick Ngokwe, Malik Jackson, Marcel Darius, Calais Campbell, uh, Avery Jones, Dante Fowler, uh, just the, the most ludicrous amount of talent on the line alone. When you add the linebackers to it as well, that's, and, uh, and
1: the fact that they might have the best cornerback tandem in the NFL.
0: Oh, just just utterly ridiculous. So, quick quick mention uh, of that one as well. Ezekiel uh, Elliott. This is obviously still ongoing, and by the time you listen to it, the situation may well have changed, but a federal judge has denied the NFL Players Association request for a preliminary injunction in the Ezekiel Elliott case uh, last night, meaning the Cowboys running back six-game suspension has been reinstated. Now, um, it bars uh, Elliott from playing once a 24-hour stay on the decision expires this evening. Uh, Issued the stay in order to give Elliott's legal team time to consider their appeal options. The appeal options, they, they can still go to a second court and appeal it once more however and and i haven't i'll hold up my own hands personally having not done a huge uh, amount of legal research into this situation because i was reacting to the jimmy garoppolo trade this morning but our friend richard graves from sky sports who is a Massive Cowboys fan has obviously pored over this legal document more th- more thoroughly than probably half of Zeke Elliott's legal team. <laughs> um,
1: and and it's, he will have as well, Graves. You,
0: <laughs> you know he has, and partially it's because he's a great journalist. But also, it's because he, he loves the Cowboys. This- I would
1: say it's not 0.5% because he's a great journalist and 99.5% because he loves the Cowboys. Uh, um,
0: but this is what he said. TRO in place until close play Tuesday, giving NFLPA time to decide if they want to go to the Second Circuit Court of Appeal. He said initially, I still reckon they get it. And then he said, actually, this was eight minutes later actually scrap that going through the ruling it's tough to see how legally they find due cause to overturn it once again just reading through if zeke and the cowboys are so minded there's actually a fifth circuit court they can go to if today fails but he said ultimately i really don't see how you get past the fact the cba gives the commissioner full authority so Uh,
1: at what point does does um Goodell just overturned this suspension as a desperate attempt to hang on to his job. Now that he's there, crossed Jerry Jones to such an extent that a five-year extension has turned into we're probably getting fired. Yeah, there is there
0: is that potential as well. But the fact is, is that the there are still some Cowboys who are confident that this will happen. We did this, uh, we had this uh, little exercise a couple of weeks ago, and since then Zeke Elliott's scored five touchdowns. But let's just do it once more. They're four and three. they're sitting way behind the Eagles in the division, not an unassailable lead entirely, but looking close to that. the fact that they play them twice, obviously massive in the fact that they do have that three-game advantage. But look at this for a run of games. They've got the Chiefs this weekend. then they're in. At home, at home that is. Then they're in Atlanta, is the game we're at. Now luckily the next 3 are all at home but they're not none of them are, are easy necessarily Eagles home Chargers home Washington home and then at New York. Now you look at the 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 records of those teams and Washington's problems on the O line although in 5 weeks time they well could have a lot of those players back and you do start to look at it and go mm, maybe 3 and 3 but well, is now, that I mean, going to be enough to get them if in I was playoff them, contention. I was at it
1: and say the one the one game that's really hard there is the Eagles but and the, and the Chiefs, the two games, sorry. But you're at home in both. The rest of your team's still good. You can win those games. I think you look at it and say, let's take the suspension now, try and keep our heads above water, and then, you, then your big game of, the, of your season, your season-defining game, is at Philadelphia. There's no doubt about that. So for me, if that game isn't in the six, I'll take the suspension now and accept that... The, at the very least, I mean, the back above five hundred now. Three and three is the minimum, even without Zeke, for me that they'll that they'll come out of that. So you're still above five hundred. You're still in the wild card race, and if it goes really well, you're still in the division race as well
0: so there you go that's what's happening with Zeke Elliott we had uh, the other bits of news from overnight Um, the the Zach Miller uh, knee injury he underwent vascular surgery it was confirmed yesterday evening that he has got a pulse back in his leg and feeling back in his toes so just phenomenally thanks to some brilliant uh, medical work and some amazing reactions at the stadium at the time from the medical team there his leg has been saved and hopefully that means his career as well by the way that was a touchdown. No matter, I don't, I can't see any justification whatsoever for how it wasn't. Um, but Zach Miller, I just really, we I mean, if anyone was listening to the the TalkSport Two show on Sunday, we saw the touchdown through to Ollie Wilson, who's our guy who does the touchdown updates, and they they left our mics open, and I, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to replay the audio, but I can tell you now that. It, you will have heard in our reaction just how horrendous that injury looked in the first <sighs> place, and to, to have the knee move so far out that he tears an artery and then nearly loses his leg—I'm just really, really, genuinely delighted that uh, that Zach Miller's going to be fine.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the that that kind of brings home just how dangerous this game can be at times. And yeah, just—I mean saving his leg I mean it went from hopefully they can save his career to hopefully they can save his leg so at least the most important element of that has been taken care of and and even if we even if we don't see him on the field again I, I imagine that there's huge relief there and, and hopefully it's not a life-changing injury
0: and let's just yeah absolutely well, well very well said mate and, and let's just have a very quick reaction as well to Monday night football because the Kansas City Chiefs get off their two game slide with a 29-19 victory over the Denver Broncos the Broncos slip to 3-4 and four. the Chiefs now up to 6-2 and two. Harrison Butker what a player they found there 5-5 five of five, including a long of 51 yards Marcus Peters returned a fumble and had a pick of his own a fumble uh, that was a bit of a devastating fumble because you've just had a brief Brilliant reaction from the home crowd to Jamal Charles absolutely barreling over your defensive line and getting a first down. And then, on I think it was two or three plays later, he gets another big run and, and has a fumble forced on him. So, a real shame that one. But turnovers galore for the Broncos. A game which, really, the Chiefs, if they'd managed to get it done in the red zone against a very good Broncos defense, they could have won this by you know 14 21 points quite easily. But I, I guess it kind of showed overall. Two very good defenses, an offense which can get going with the Chiefs, but a Broncos offense where Trevor Simeon, through the last three weeks, has looked nothing like what he did for the first few.
1: Yeah, they've they've reverted back to what they were last season, the Broncos, and that includes with, within kind of the locker room. I mean, Chris Harris, who we've actually gone exclusive with in the issue of Gridiron that is going to print this week, but he is a pretty honest, straight shooting guy, and he said there's there are divisions in the locker room. They need to start scoring some points, and they do. I mean, they've wasted an all-time great defense now for the last two seasons, and and I mean, where do the Broncos go from here with this season? I think I think it's already becoming a lost season. I don't fancy. I thought that game that the the Patriots in Denver, and it still is a tough game because that's a horrible environment, and and Brady has historically struggled there. But coming off a bye week, they could easily slip again next week. The Patriots coming off a bye, that is, and. And fall further back and at that point it becomes a lost season and, and I think if it does, the Broncos are a team to watch in the off-season because John Elway is a guy who has shown his aggression in the off-season and And I wouldn't be surprised to see them making a big move for a quarterback next year.
0: Well, I heard that Jimmy Garoppolo's available for trade. Oh, no, wait, John Elway, you're too late. (laughs) You're
1: getting more excited by the minute, (laughs) aren't you? Bouncing off the walls at this point, mate. You should be excited, mate. Honestly, you really should be. I mean, I think this is... I think this will be looked back upon as one of the the great quarterback moves by a a franchise. Because a second-round pick for a guy who... You don't have to go through the development process with them. It's, it's just a dream.
0: Look, I'll say right now, there is very much, uh, it's a tempered excitement because I understand that our roster is uh, holier than the Pope. But I, there is, there is some very tempered optimism right now. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the Chiefs next have to go to AT&T Stadium on Sunday night to face the Dallas Cowboys. What a game that looks like this coming Sunday, particularly if Zeke Elliott isn't there. Uh, we are looking at a, 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 a quite, quite the matchup for the Sunday evening games. Uh, and for the Broncos, it just looks like, I don't know, the Chiefs uh, feel like they're going to run away with an AFC West we thought was going to be really tight at this point. The Broncos now have to go to, uh, just to Philadelphia. Nice, easy one for them for this weekend, and then home Christ. to the, and then home to the Patriots. So. So, so they
1: could easily slip three games below five hundred, even.
0: Yeah, three three and six this time yeah. in two weeks' time.
1: Although I think I think Denver, if there's an upset game next week, Denver's defense is going to give Philadelphia real problems if they haven't got a left tackle yet. Which I imagine the well Anthony Costanzo from the Indianapolis Colts, I would think, is the guy. Yeah. Yeah, because the Niners now can't afford to trade Joe Staley either. I mean, I don't really know what his injury status is anyway. But so he's, he's gonna...
0: fractured his he's fractured his orbital socket. So it's the bone around the eye is fractured. Oh, but Jesus. that that injury can be a hell of a lot more serious than it actually is because he got no actual damage to the eye and hasn't had to have stitches as well. So actually it's one of those ones with a couple of weeks rest and then wearing one of those eye masks underneath his um, helmet and it'll probably be good to go in three, four weeks time. And he got very, his, very lucky. his
1: contract situation?
0: His contract situation is as he desperately, quickly gets on to what Joe Staley's contract is online because, again been so focused on everything else this morning hadn't really thought about it. He did sign quite a massive extension not all that long ago and I'm sure yeah there are still two there's still yeah. uh, two and a half years left on I, that contract I would
1: suggest that he needs to be kept for the long term now because you want to pair a young quarterback with a, with a franchise left tackle. And,
0: and the yeah. best and the best thing is is it, because of his age he is 33 I mean he's still playing at a very high level at 33 but because they front loaded his contract unless an extension's done uh, he's only quote unquote this is his biggest cap hit this year it actually drops by four million dollars to seven yeah. and a half million for the next two seasons so that makes a a kind of big difference as well Uh, so yeah uh, I I think Joe Staley now stays in town and actually the Eagles should have been banging on the Texans door before Seattle managed to get there to try and get Dwayne Brown because uh, on Sunday against the 49ers Carson went sacked three times all off the left side of his line all off the blind side against the 49ers defense where Solomon Thomas went out of the game and Arik Armstead is already on IR so a little concern for the uh, Eagles as they look like they're running away with the division. And maybe that's the hope for the Cowboys when they face them at home in a few weeks' time. Get to Marcus Lawrence, getting after Carson Wentz.
1: Absolutely. And that's why the, those pass rushes are the reason I think the Cowboys can sustain without De- Zeke for a few weeks. And the fact that Alfred Morris is a more than good enough running back for six weeks.
0: Brilliant stuff. Look, Matt Sherry, uh, you're now flying out tomorrow. You're going to be... Yeah, what, tomorrow...
1: What? tomorrow Well, I'm flying to London tomorrow morning and then early afternoon we're flying to Georgia. And keep an eye out on our Twitter feed over the weekend. Me and Simon Clancy will be at Alabama LSU on Saturday. What game. And then we'll have a split of you guys at Texans Colts to see Deshaun Watson and me and Simon will be at in New Orleans for the Saints against the Buccaneers, seeing the hottest team in the NFL. So... Yeah, keep an eye on all of our feeds over the coming days and weeks because we're going to have a great time and hopefully have a lot of great content for you guys as well
0: and certainly while we're going to have another couple of podcasts over this week that the podcast after the Sunday games me and Ollie will record something in Houston but Matt and Sherry are going to record something separate for us in New Orleans get some locker room audio for us as well so a real packed couple of weeks coming up for Gridiron for the Gridiron show the new magazine going off to print this week as well loads of exciting stuff in that so that'll be coming out while we're away it's a it's a good time to be a fan of Gridiron I've got to say
1: it is. Perfect time. We're celebrating all the underdogs this this month. We're doing an undrafted special of the magazine. Mike Carlson's picked his 20 greatest undrafted players, and we have some interviews with Chris Harris and Kate Warner. A lot of good stuff in there.
0: And look, touchdown trips when everyone sees how brilliant our trip is going to be are going to be very in demand so i just recommend you get in touch with ben mortimer and the team now and start looking at planning your trip for this year for next whatever it might be because they're they're just doing a brilliant job and we've had some amazing feedback from everyone who's gone with touchdown trips away this year already and we uh, really look forward to showing off what they can do to the group of people who are coming out with us this weekend so thank you to you matthew sherry ollie hunter will be back with me for some more missives on the weekend and to react to all the moves i'm sure that bill belichick is enacting as we speak uh, otherwise thank you very much for listening at gridiron on twitter as always gridiron get your picks in for next week this has been the gridiron show